Coming in 2023, the complete saga of the Man of Steel. Comics, radio, animation, movie serials, TV shows, Broadway musicals, motion pictures, and more. 85 years, 250 interviews from Maysell Books in 2023. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Voices from Krypton, the unofficial oral history of Superman. Learn more at vfkoralhistory.com. They come from the past and the future. There is nothing wrong with your radio. From inner space to outer space. Risk is our business. Listen. With the single most important interview since God talked to Moses. The voices you are hearing are... The only good human is a dead human. The voices from Krypton. I'm Ed Gross, and welcome back to Voices from Krypton, and the second part of our interview with Stargate SG-1 co-creator Brad Wright, which was conducted in the aftermath of the show's 25th anniversary. When you started Stargate and where we ended up, even if you want to jump to the end of universe, is a way to sort of look at sort of how you feel what you were trying to accomplish evolved over that period? Oh, my God, Ed. <laughs> Give you six we, hours. We, I, we, uh, you know, I thought, oh my, we're going to make two series, two seasons of a television show. That 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 was a ridiculously large order. Right. Before the end of season one, we knew we were doing four seasons, and and I thought, oh my god, this show could go five years. <laughs> right. That's a long time, especially in a twenty-two episode world. You know, that was going to get us over 100 episodes. That, that was rarefied territory even then. Right. If rarefied territory is a thing. But... Um, We're going to say it is. Well, rarefied atmosphere, is that the word? <laughs> uh, the... Uh, the, uh, the evolution started for me early when I realized we were going for seasons. And this is where Jonathan and I dis- kind of separated. I said, we need to start building out our mythology because we're going to run out of ancient gods to tell stories about real quick. Right. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and we, did, you know, ultimately we ended up creating a thick enough folio of our own mythology that, that, you know, it, it became a self-generating thing. And uh, we, we had so many threads. We, we, we would leave at the end of a season at the beginning of the next season, we would sit in the story room and say, you know, we should probably pick up on this and, you know, we should definitely make more of this. And, you know, we've said this about the ancients. Now we have to tell this story. And, and, and so you're creating, you're, you're leaving behind the, the, the open doors to walk through for the following season. And, and because our writer's room stayed so intact for so long, which is incredibly rare. Right. And, 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 um, and you know, for better or for worse, I, I I I think some of the some of the guys may have wished they had moved on sooner. I think, uh, but on the other hand, we had a great time and made some good money. And 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 uh, and you know, who knows what might have happened otherwise, right? Right. I I, I didn't I I didn't uh, after Stargate, I took some time off, and I didn't exactly. Nobody was beating down the doors to, to work, you know, to give me another show right away. So right. Um, it was just as hard a fight as it was before Stargate. 
if anything. Um, but the, the evolution uh, was not just of, of, you know, how the show advanced, but how we told story. We got more sophisticated, you know, directors, our directors were saying, I'd like to try this. I'd like to, you know, let's move on. Let's try this different technique. We went from four by three standard depth to HD and, and, and visual effects. And, and, and visual effects evolution was enormous. Yeah. I mean, we were able to do things at the end of the universe, actually, and, and even at the end of SG-1 and, and Atlantis that we couldn't have dreamed of in beginning of Stargate. Yeah. I mean, when I was doing The Outer Limits, we were still doing opticals. When I did Light Brigade, we built a model of the Light Brigade. Mm -hmm. It was like 12 feet long and shot it. It wow. was hanging in my office. Old school, is it? <laughs> I, I, I thought, oh, my God, I love this thing. It's beautiful. And then, you know, then other things happen and you're changing offices and you're going, does anybody want this? <laughs> 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 the the yeah, allure had worn off a little bit. Off. <laughs> exactly. It was pretty cool. Um, yeah. But um, but yeah, and but like I said again, like I said in the AMA, um, the biggest evolution for me, it it's not what happens on the screen. I I get more out of watching people grow and evolve as artists and watching their families grow and watching, you know, somebody who was a stuntman on our show become a director for the, you know, in, in the, uh, for the CW, a really good one. Right. You know, uh, James Banford and, you know, Martin Garrett was taking over the world. You know, he's, he's got a big overall at Universal and, 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 you know, he's got a whole ton of shows under his umbrella and, you know, Paul and Joe went off and did their in their own show and 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 Amanda Tapping. Um, and it was now not just a director, but a really damn good director right. who's who's sought after. Uh, and uh, you know, Andy started as a as a as an AD. Now you know he's now a fabulous director. I, I just love watching people grow. James Robbins was our was our illustrator. Now he's a great production designer. I loved what, and, and people knew on Stargate, as we discussed in our last conversations, that, that when you, if you stayed, you did get an opportunity to, to advance and, and, and grow and become something in a safe environment right. where your first shot, you, you were, everybody was there to protect you and, and help you succeed. I love that. That, that's, that one to me was more fun than anything that happened on screen. What happened on the screen is fun and it's great, but you know, it's a TV show. But the impression you got, I mean, from speaking to you and speaking to everybody, uh, really, it's such a cliche to say, well, you know, when we were doing our show, we were a family, but you guys really were a family, if that sounds like. And certainly from everyone I've spoken to, that's the impression I've gotten. I think uh, some people recognize that at the time. And I think a lot of people have recognized since. Okay. how good it was <laughs> yeah, yeah. holy shit did we have it good because it, it isn't that way in every show it's just not people don't understand that that there are environments that can be downright toxic because of ego because of you know conflict because of you know lack of ability you know because of a thousand reasons 
competition within the show you know, between each you know backstabbing right you know uh, you know you, i could see to a certain extent it happened on the outer limits um with some of the writer producers you know who who wanted you know to get more episodes so they could you know because that's how it worked right you would create it you would write an episode and you would shepherd it through right and you know i was doing a lot of that especially early on uh and there were some writers in la who I could feel that felt like they were being left out <clears throat> and I was, I didn't care. It's like, I don't know who you are. I, I just, I, right. I'm here doing my thing. And, and yes, you were here before me and, and I'm typing faster than you. So, you know, write better. Yeah. I, I, I guess that because each episode was individual and I didn't have to work with them. Right. Uh, it created that inner competition in me. And, you know, because I'm Canadian, there was always this having to prove myself thing that I, that happened actually for quite some time. I didn't realize that was the thing to tell you the truth. Oh God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so yeah. Okay. I, I, I had a writer producer uh, and, and it's, it's horrific terminology. So forgive me for repeating it, but uh, uh, he referred to Canadians as white Mexicans. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, in terms of crew and in terms of uh, talent and, and I almost put them through the wall. Right. Uh, but um, I don't blame you for that. He didn't it's think horrible. it was. Uh, he didn't think it was that big a deal. <laughs> Most people don't when they say statements yeah. like that. Yeah, that's the yeah, problem. Uh, but um, or or even like uh, I said, he, he said uh, there was a network executive. Uh, why can't you just hire like a little Canadian intern? I'm like a little Canadian intern. What do you mean mm -hmm. by that? Uh, yeah. Do they have to be little? Do they have to be Canadian? <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I was my back went up so many times in those days, and then and then I started hiring Canadians above the line, which was harder to do because uh, and and eventually they just trusted us, and and we just made the show, and we hired anybody we wanted. Right. And my rule was, and it's a great rule actually. Uh, uh, I have nothing against Americans. I have nothing against British people or really anyone it's my rule is I look here first right and if I find the right person here why the hell would I keep looking sure uh, for lots of reasons for lots of reasons uh, but uh, no I mean there's some amazing Americans uh, that I've worked with as writers and as directors and as artists and, and actors so i have not you know obviously i have no issue with that right of course but you also don't like being put in a corner of somebody saying oh well hire this little canadian oh, intern oh, or something like that oh. yeah 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 i get that oh. you, know. Hey, you know it's funny before i apologize by the way when i point when i when i when, I, when, when I pointed out how rude that was they they went they acknowledged it oh good at least that's something. Most people are like, yeah, what are you yeah. talking about? You know, I mean, there are a lot of people who just wouldn't get it, you know, at all. But it's interesting when you said at the time, a lot of people didn't realize uh, what what a gift or what a family the show was. And I may have told you this, but when I wrote the uh, oral history of Battlestar Galactica, so say we all, available now through Tor Books. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was a moment in there where, and everybody told the stories that Edward James almost gathered everybody together. 
and basically said to them, you are never, ever going to have this kind of opportunity again that you're having now. Enjoy every minute of it because when it's done, it's done. Virtually every single cast member told me, and a lot of the production people told me, going on to other shows after Battlestar Galactica, the experience was nothing like it was on Galactica. That that connectiveness between cast and crew, yeah. um, you know. So, and and he warned them of that way at the beginning of Battlestar Galactica. So, I and he's a great guy. Actually, I only met him a couple of times, but he's a great guy. And it's experience. Yeah. It's the knowledge of having been on a, a show that isn't that. How and how um, how you know dealing with with powerful egos and uh, and people who set fires to set fires, you know. Right. It, now, when when Eric and I met uh, for the very first time, well, actually not the first time because we did an Outer Limits again uh, years ago, but but uh, but I flew to LA to meet him uh, when he said he was interested in doing Travelers, and I said, well, let's meet, let's talk, and you know have a conversation because that's the thing to do. Like, let's find out if, if it's a know, good fit. Well, yeah. yeah. And like, we knew within 10 minutes and I said, I said, um, I, I, I hope you agree with this, but I have kind of a no assholes rule. Mm-hmm. I mean, if somebody's an obvious asshole, they just got to go. I don't care how talented they are. Uh, they got to go because it's toxic. And that kind of toxicity is, uh, you know, and you know, and he says, "Great, totally agree." And 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 uh, we didn't have one. <laughs> was, That's good. This was such a pleasure. Uh, it was such. Uh, it was so so tight a set and so great to, a show to work on. You know, people. Um, and then you get more from people. You know, you get that more. You don't get people resenting being there. And this is again. You say it's family, but it's also. And it, and it is, but when you have the, a good environment, you get more out of people. Absolutely. You get them because the show is theirs too, you know, because an assistant props person doesn't get any glamour, but if they feel respected and if they feel, if they feel, um, if, if they feel that, that they're as much a part of the show as anybody else and that their voice is heard and that they're, they're you know, it's their show too. Right. Then, then they're going to put in that extra effort and you're going to show up the next morning and go, oh my God, I can't believe you did this overnight. Yeah. Go, oh yeah, thanks. Right. That's pretty good, isn't it? And they mean it. They believe yeah. it. And they feel like they put in that work for a good reason. Not, this is all you could do. And I've heard that too. Like, that's the prop we're going to use. I mean, right. The, you know, I think that's another really strong argument for having the showrunner in the same building, <laughs> same city oh, sure. as, as the show. You know, you, there were so many situations, uh, especially in Canada, when it's an American show and the showrunners are in LA. Right. And, and looking at photographs of things and they're not actually seeing the set. They're looking at or the location. They're looking at pictures. And right. It's just not the same, right? It's you're not, not. You know, if you can't walk into there. a location and go, wait a minute, how about if we look this way? You know, mm-hmm. and, and everybody goes, oh, yeah. It's usually never my idea, by the way. Uh, but but <laughs> it, it, it helps. It helps when you're there to say, yeah, yeah, let's do it. As opposed to, we need to send you a new set of pictures. You know what yeah. I mean? Absolutely. 
you know. God, I'm rambling again, aren't I? No, you're not though, because I mean, this is part of the flow. But the other thing is, like, I was just going to say, back in the '90s, do you remember the magazine Cinescape or no? Yeah, I don't know if you yeah, remember. I did several interviews in it. You may have done spoken to me, I think, in fact, for them. Uh, I may have. Uh, you may have uh, for that. But we were a team in the beginning, especially. There were like four or five guys. Like they had a visual effects guy. They had me doing the long, long ass pieces on uh, on different shows and, and movies. And there were like four or five of us on staff. And it was amazing. That magazine, we weren't even working together in an office. It was all the early days of the computers and stuff. So we were sending right. everything in through online. But we took such pride in that magazine. If you look at the first few years of Cinescape, it accomplished so much. And it's that feeling of you were supportive of the other guy. The other guy was supportive of you. You give ideas to each other. It was, it was amazing. It was probably the best experience I've ever had in my 40 years doing this. So I, 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 uh, I, I loved uh, several of the ones that you guys did on The Outer Limits. And, and never had I had more smoke blown up my ass uh, as a young writer. <laughs> not, by, not directly, but mm. somebody interviewed Joseph Stefano who uh, created the original Outer Limits. Uh, yeah. Leslie Stevens and Joe Stefano. Right. And I met him once. He was a lovely, lovely man. Yeah, he's a very nice guy. And uh, but he was, you know, he, he was me now on on, uh, uh, on Stargate, and he he was so flattering of some of my work in season one and two. That's nice. I, I was like beaming reading this article, going, "Hey, look, you know, I don't even, <laughs> I don't keep any of that stuff, but I but I do remember him being so nice and so flattering uh, because you know." He created the original Outer Limits. He was, you know, it's like having Rod Serling talking about your writing in a, in a positive way. It's pretty cool. Yeah. He also wrote Psycho, even though it's based on the novel. And I love Psycho. I love Norman Bates That's as a, great, a character. He did write Psycho. Yeah, he, he did. did. He wrote Psycho. Yep, absolutely. I think Hitchcock may have had a hand. Yeah, he may have something to do with the movie. But if you've never seen it, by the way, watch Psycho 2. I know that sounds like blasphemy. No, I, I think I've seen it. Have you? I love that movie. I think you, I used to, in college, I would watch one and two together. And it was amazing watching the transformation of Anthony Perkins as Norman Bates, uh, trying to do the right thing in Psycho 2 and nobody will let him <laughs> until he goes crazy again. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing. He's a good actor. He is. He was, he a, is. He, he's, uh, he's passed, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he is. And Richard Franklin, who directed that, was really a student of Hitchcock. Sorry, my wife was just thinking. Um, yeah, and Hitchcock is amazing. There's yeah. some great shots. There's some great shots in uh, in that movie. Absolutely. So many. There's there's a lot of screen time with no dialogue. Oh yeah, in Psycho, absolutely. Uh, and I, I love it. You know, I, that's I just, very instructive. I mean, as a writer, you you, especially as a a playwright. You, you mm -hmm. know, if you're first playwright, because it's the words, right? It's the dialogue right. that, that you that you think drives story. And I learned a lot from actors, uh, good actors, who would say, "Can I just have a? Can we just go through the script with a couple of my lines?" And 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 uh, and some really talented. We've got some great actors on the on the Outer Limits who, uh, you know, who were just doing Outer Limits because it was a one-off and it would be fun, but. They were so instructive, like uh, Robert Foxworth would just send me a speech, show me a speech and, and say, uh, do I need to say all of this? <laughs> and, I, and, and I would look and I would go, oh my God, no. And I would just, 
I would just cut it right down with a pen and say, I'm so sorry, is this better? And go, yeah, that's, that's much tighter. Uh, because what I what we used to do is is cut around my overly verbose dialogue and in, in, in editing, <laughs> you know, uh, and you get into trouble if you tighten things too much. But uh, right, of course. But you get a better performance if it's if it's succinct, and I, so I learned to be more succinct uh, by dealing with really good actors who realized that that I was putting too much in their mouth. And then you had Richard Dean Anderson. What do you have? The thumb rule, the two finger rule, two finger script, rule, right? two finger rule. Yeah. And and, and like I said, uh, it's not because he didn't want to learn the lines. It's because he knew that the his success as an actor had more to do with his ability to be genuine on camera. And when he spoke for a long, the longer he spoke, the less genuine he felt. Right. And and. Uh, and I, when I finally figured out that's what it was, um, and the other one that's helped train me that, I, uh, you know, I, I gave all the longer stuff to other people. Right. Well, ended up loving it. I mean, you know, Michael Shanks, you could give him a 17 page monologue and he'd go, okay, can I have a few days to learn it? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, uh, like David Hewlett, you know, would say it in a minute and a half, and you'd go, oh, shit. <laughs> Right. <laughs> right. What do I do? Right. Uh, no. But that's the thing about that's the thing about the cast too, and it, and that's what I was very impressed with with Stargate as well. It's like if you look at certain shows, like a lot of shows, if you lose a cast member, you're screwed. The show's just never the same again. Okay. Yeah. But you look at a show like Cheers and a show like Mash, where characters could come, you know, you lose characters, bring new ones in, and somehow it kept working. Stargate. I think had the similar thing in the sense that we lost Michael for that season. Nobody knew he was coming back. The show prevailed and, and kept going. And then Richard Dean Anderson cutting down the way he did towards the end. And you brought Ben in and who knew that was going to work? And it did. Yeah. That's and it did. And also, also Rob created a whole new villain uh, because eight years of the Gould um, was, was probably enough. We kept them, but you're you talking know, about the Ori, right? The Ori, that, yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. And and uh, and in sort of a yin and yang sort of way, he wanted to say that the ancients can't be all good, <laughs> right? And and uh, that was all wrong. But um, uh, again, that's evolution. You if you don't if you stagnate, uh, it's death. I think I think uh, the the, the the show itself matters in terms mm -hmm. of in terms of how you can swap people out. I mean, mash. That's how it was. People would come and go. You know, that's doctors. true in the reality. And, 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 uh, same thing with um, same thing with you know in a bar. You know, waiters come and go. Uh, less or so with uh, Stargate because it was military and and teams were. Pretty, pretty. Uh, I mean, the, the, I remember the episode where um, I can't remember what it was called. But before Jonas joined the team, they were trying a different person, and they kept trying different people in SG One, and they, they just weren't working out because they weren't Daniel. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and so we kind of embraced that. We embraced the difficulty of replacing Daniel. Um, on SG, it would have been a problem because they were on a spaceship uh, several. Uh, billion light years away from home. yeah that, that's a, makes it a little more difficult to swap people yeah. out yeah 
Yeah. So uh, it depends. Right. But um, it's sort of a strong show that you can do that, even if it's just for a season. Oh, absolutely. Look, I look at a show like Roseanne, right? Roseanne became the Connors. And I'm not saying the Connors is as really consistently funny as Roseanne was, but my God, they lost the lead. And they've gone for the last three or four years without her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it helps that Dan Goodman is. Oh, you have to have good actors in there. He's Dan Goodman, you know? Yeah. Um, He's a very good actor. Yes. Like one of the best. Absolutely. Uh, And it's, you know, it's also the writers and producers around in that environment going, hey, we got a really good thing here. Let's see if we can go. Maybe right. it'll work. Absolutely. You know, not throwing up their hands and going, oh, our lead character is gone. What do we call the show? Right. Yeah, <laughs> oh, right. It's yeah. done, right? It's done. We can't do anymore. You know. There are, there are. I would argue that there are shows you, you, you couldn't do another War for Black. With just, you couldn't just plug in somebody else. Right. Uh, Tatiana Masley uh, is uh, an extraordinarily gifted person who... I remember I, a friend of mine worked in the uh, in the uh, in the business and told me about this great script um, that he was considering buying. Uh, I don't think uh, his uh, I don't think he was going to in the front. I don't think he was a front writer to get to get it, the material anyway. But <clears throat> but uh, I said to him, "Oh God, good luck finding an actress who can do that." <laughs> And he did. <laughs> he did. They did. Yes. And she right. won an Emmy for it. That's how good she was. Uh, She's great on She-Hulk. She brought so much to that. I don't know if you've seen it. I haven't or not. seen it. I just I haven't watch seen it. it. It's really good. I wish good. I had, uh, and I should, but uh, uh, no, I, uh, I mean, I've seen some of it. I just, right. uh, there's a show that, there's shows that I, I have to be watching in my, uh, by myself, but my wife's just not into anything on Disney Plus. Oh, my wife's the same way. You and I will have to do a watching party or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she, yes. watch, she watched She-Hulk, but that's the only one she's watched of anything. She'll, my wife, uh, you know, if Yellowstone's on, Stone's on she's in. Uh, right. And I'll watch that too. But uh, anything Star Wars related, forget it. I got to see what's the new one. And, Andor? I, gotta, I haven't, seen, I haven't seen that one yet. I hear it's great, though. I hear it's amazing. Yeah. And, the uh, One of the best things they've ever done, actually, on Star Wars. So. I definitely want to check that out. You know, uh, you know, I, it's been so it's been so uh, pumped up by even writers who've worked for me over the years. Have you seen it yet? And I, I'm not. I mean, I like Star Wars. It's okay. It's uh, not Star Trek. It's not Star Trek. No, I agree. <laughs> and and I, I prefer Star Trek. Yeah. And uh, yeah, if, if if it's between the two, I'm a trekker. I'm with you, sir. You know, and my other problem is I can't put on something like Android that you have to actually watch because I always watch TV while I'm working. I mean, I'm working on a book or something or an article. So I'm like, I have to keep stopping either rewinding the show or I'm not doing any work at all. And it's like, I can't have both going. I have to put on the TV. You would hate Travelers then because, uh, yeah, you must, you have to be watching. You have to watch it. I still have to watch a lot of that, but yeah. Well, you probably missed a bunch because you weren't paying attention because it's, I said it was an experiment. I said, look, you know, this is a show that's going to be binged. It's going to be on Netflix. Right. We don't have to do what normal television does, which is remind everybody that thing that just happened that they have to remember. So some, I said pre- some things just once. 
Right. Did that premiere on Netflix or no? It's but it's on. Yeah, it premiered. On it Netflix. did. It was a Netflix show. Yeah. Travelers. Oh, okay. It was also on Showcase, and, okay. and it was day and date on Showcase. <clears throat> but uh, uh, Canadians tend to be less t- tend to watch the show too. They don't tend to try to do too many things uh, while, while they're watching. See, they're I'm just, a damn American. You're a this damn is man. what happens. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm just I'm I, I'm just saying statistically that seems to be the case, and uh, and so it it was successful. It worked fine on on Showcase, and uh, but it was I mean we couldn't have been able. There's no way we wouldn't have been able to do it if we hadn't sold it to Netflix too. Right. The only problem is we probably would have got more seasons if if the Canadians had stuck with us. Sure, because uh, Netflix does a very limited number of seasons, right? They'll do. Yeah, but if they were buying it in a sort of a co-production way, although they were by far the lion's share of the episodic budget, Mm. by far. Yeah. Uh, Canada contributed something like 4%. uh, Because television is really expensive. We're a country of 37 million people. Right. And, And, you know, you can't spend a million dollars an episode on a show that gets less than a million viewers a week because that that's doesn't seem to work out. Yeah. Mathematically, it's an issue. <laughs> and of course, you have to spend way more than a million dollars an episode to make any good television show now, especially Absolutely. science fiction. Our conversation with Brad Wright concludes in part three of this exclusive Voices from Krypton interview, available now. And make the universe a better place by subscribing to our podcast, giving us a five-star review, and telling your friends about us. Thanks very much for listening. We'll see you soon.